You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Gala Travels. On this week's talk show, we invite experts. professionals. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section. Today's guest is Ali Alvi. Ali uses mass media to share the love and message of Imam Hussein salam to the general public. Ali, alaikum. How are you? Hey, wa alaikum salam. I'm well, alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the show. It's great being here. Um, so Ali is the advertising director and sales and head of uh, press and marketing of Hus Hussein in North America. Um, so he has two different uh, positions in two different organizations. Um, Ali, can you tell us how you got into sales before we delve into the details of what you do? Sure. I was actually working uh, while I was going to college. Mm-hmm. And I was working as a salesperson in college. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into sales. Interesting. Um, what did you study when you first uh, entered school? Was it sales and marketing? Uh, no, actually, I studied criminal justice. I was planning on being either a law enforcement officer or go into being a prosecutor. But while I was in school, I was uh, doing sales and I realized that's the route I wanted to go as opposed to going uh, following through with the uh, criminal justice aspect of it. And that's so interesting because you sort of uh, were going a whole different route and then through your own job, we can hear sirens in the background. This is uh, for dramatic effect, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's New York City. That's all right. (laughs) Um, So just... It's, uh, it's cool how you had something in mind, but you decided to go another route. What inspired that? Why did you decide I'm not going to continue with what I'm studying and I'm going to continue with what I'm actually working in? Well, one thing is that I had a few friends that were ahead of me by a couple of years and they went to law mm-hmm. school and they turned around and told me that it's not what it's made out to be. Mm-hmm. So then I realized that perhaps that's not the route I want to go after further uh, discussion with them. Uh, so I stuck with sales because that's what I was doing. That's what I knew. And, uh, I was pretty good at it. Um, and how did you reach the position you're at right now? Well, with about 15 or 16 years, uh, in sales experience, Mm -hmm. um, I progressed through my career and got into management and that's uh, how I got into being a director of sales for this company. You weren't always in New York though. No, I actually grew up in Maryland. And I moved to New York about eight years ago. Uh, Actually, it was eight years beginning of August. Mm -hmm. What inspired that move? Well, I kind of got bored being in Maryland. (laughs) And when I was younger, uh, in my, I want to say mid-20s, I actually always wondered how long it would take for someone, anyone, and then I thought, why not me, to go from the city that I'm accustomed to, familiar with, have family and friends, mm-hmm. and go to a brand new city where I knew no one and start from scratch to see how long it would take me to get up and running, one, and two, to see if I can even do it. Um, because I would say, I mean, this is a completely made up number, but <laughs> I would say 90% of the people probably stay where uh, they're born and they don't go out of that locality. This is a very bold move, though. You leave everything you know, the career that you've basically worked how long 
seven years at the time? Yes, uh, actually a little bit more than that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, So a long time to build and it's uh, in sales. So it's something that you have to sort of build yourself up to go somewhere where you know no one and start from the bottom again. Yeah, it's tough. It's challenging. It's definitely a bold move. Uh, But it was something that I really wanted to try. Mm-hmm. Because as I said before, I grew up in the area, I knew the people, I had friends, I had family, and I was familiar with the area. Yeah. And I just wanted to do something that was challenging. And I was getting bored with, you know, the same routine, okay, I'm going to work, coming home, you know, the same everyday routine. So I thought, why not? And it was a perfect time to do it. Um, so I quit my job, packed whatever I could into my car, and uh, I drove up to New York. <laughs> What was the hardest moment uh, during that move? Uh, I guess the uncertainty, uh, not knowing uh, how it's going to work out, where to go, where to stay, uh, not having any friends here, not having any family here. And uh, it was just completely uncertainty. I basically took a bet on myself and uh, uh, it's worked out. Alhamdulillah. And it paid off. Yeah. Um. So starting in a new city after you've had such an established career before, uh, how did you rebuild yourself and how did you show what skills you have? Well, I guess uh, I didn't really have to uh, completely rebuild myself internally because I already Mm -hmm. had the sales skills because once you have a skill, you can transfer it regardless of industry or uh, a city or country. Mm -hmm. And that speaks for itself. Yeah, so once you have a skill, whatever it may be, uh, it's transferable usually. Mm-hmm. So I had that. And I guess the toughest part of it was to come here and apply for the uh, sales positions here. And I ended up getting, you know, a lower level sales job mm-hmm. than what I was accustomed to. And I had to basically go back eight or 10 years in my career um, wow. just to get going. And I did take the first thing that was available because I didn't want to pass up the opportunity yeah. because I know there are, I think, what, 8.5 million people in this small yeah. little city. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll take what I can get and I'll build up from there. And it takes a very specific type of person to make that change. And how much do you, how much personal development do you feel like you've gone through over, over these years? Well, a lot, actually. Um, So I'll I'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. While I was in school, um, when I was 19, my mom actually passed away. Mm -hmm. And right after my mom, uh, my grandfather on my mother's side, as well as my aunt that I was closest to on my mom's side between 19 and 21, they all passed away, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as getting married and divorced within that two-year period. So I grew up fast. And one of the things that I learned at that time when everything was crashing down on me, it felt like the whole world was crashing down. Uh, One of my mentors, he said that it's like we're all in a sailboat and the same wind blows on us all, whether it's the political wind, the social wind, the economic wind, or the wind of opportunity, the wind of disaster. And it's not the blowing of the wind that determines your destination, but the set of the sail. So basically saying it's not what happens because what happens happens to everyone. It's what you do about what happens. So at that point, I decided that I'm going to take this into account and I'm going to use what's happened to me between 19 and 21 and Mm -hmm. build on it and continue building on it and continue building on it and never let myself fall back down to that level. Mm -hmm. So 
one main thing that I had to do was start reading books, uh, books from Jim Rohn, for example, uh, Tony Robbins. I don't know, maybe you guys have heard of uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad from uh, mm -hmm. Robert Kiyosaki. So those types of books about life as opposed to just, uh, you know, fictional books or anything. Yeah. I started listening to their seminars. I started going. As a matter of fact, I went to the very last seminar that Jim Rohn had before he passed away. Mm -hmm. um, so that was uh, very touching uh, for me at the moment. I didn't know he was going to pass away soon after that. But all that to say that once you start on this path of personal development, then nothing can really shake you because there's only a handful of different types of situations in life. Mm -hmm. um, it may be with different people and different, uh, and different uh, circumstances, but only a handful of problems. And also realizing that everything in this life is temporary. We just have to be able to solve the problem that we're given to move on uh, past that. So mm -hmm. for me, personal development became a part of me. So I even continuously to this day, I read or mm -hmm. listen to at least 30 minutes every single day uh, as, part of my, uh, as part of my daily routine. And that's so important to always see that there's room to grow no matter how far you go yeah absolutely can you tell okay. us what yeah sorry <laughs> um I, I just got an example in my head that sure. if, if if you look at a tree for example it's not going to stop at two feet or five feet it's going to continue growing as much as it can mm -hmm. but i would say uh, i would guess that humans possibly are different in that sense that they may get comfortable wherever they are and they don't continue to grow mm -hmm. and develop very deep, deep roots that can't be pulled out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I was going to ask, can you tell us what the most important skills you need in a scale, a sales and marketing uh, career? Sure. Absolutely. So there are a few, one is perseverance. Uh, another is personality. And another I would say is having thick skin because in sales, you have to deal with all sorts of different people. You have to deal with the people that are nice and kind and easy to talk to, to the upset customers, to people that expected something else from what you've uh, sold them. So you've mm -hmm. got to be able to handle that and uh, overcome those objections. So if you have thick skin, then you'll be able to do that. But if you know a customer says you know the slightest thing that you don't like, and you get upset over it, that's not going to work out well. So definitely th thick skin. Yeah, <laughs> um, and there's uh, I think a lot in sales and marketing that it's not just about if someone takes. Uh, basically doesn't like your idea. It's also the perseverance that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're going to have a few people that are going to buy others that are not going to buy yeah. because if whatever product or service you have, if everyone was going to buy it, then it would be easy. It doesn't happen that way. So I would venture to guess about three or four people out of 10 people that you talk to will buy it. Mm -hmm. So when you first start off, maybe you talk to 10 and one person buys it. And then you talk to another 10 and one person buys it. Yeah. But if you keep doing that, your ratio is going to be very low. Mm -hmm. But if you work on yourself, get better at what you're doing, learn more about what you need to do, and then go talk to another 10, then maybe two people or maybe three people. So why is it that the same person that spoke to 10 people had one person buy 
And then sometime later, the same person speaks to 10 people and three or four people buy. Yeah. Because they got better at what mm-hmm. they're selling. Because so they're working on themselves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is you have to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Uh, yeah. There's also a saying that if I had 24 hours to uh, chop down a tree, I would spend 23 of those sharpening my axe. Mm. Um, can you tell us, just give us an idea of like the biggest ads that you've worked on um, in your career? Uh, just different companies, uh, anywhere from Girl Scouts of America to Marriott to now what we're working with, uh, who's Hussein coming up soon, as well as the Imam Hussein quotes for the uh, first 10 days of Muharram in Times mm-hmm. Square. Uh, delving into who's Hussein and these uh, amazing quotes that you are putting up in Times Square uh, for Muharram, can you tell us how you got into who's Hussein? Uh, yeah, actually, I wanted to be a part of who's Hussein long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't sure how to get started. And then a friend of mine actually introduced me and said that there was a uh, meeting that was going to take place in right here in New York. So for new volunteers, so I went to the meeting, I started off as a volunteer, uh, I remember labeling uh, water bottles with the who's Hussein labels, and then we yeah. ended up out passing them out talking to handing people out about the flowers oh yeah handing out the flowers uh, the pamphlets the you guys have seen the work so from that i eventually became part of the core team and then after being part of the core team after some time i was promoted to being the uh the, the, the lead rep for new york city and from there after having worked as a lead rep for about a year or so um, the national team asked me to uh, come join with them. So now I'm part of the North America team where we handle 25, 26 different uh, chapters across North America. Now you are situated amongst some of the world's biggest advertisements in Town Square, and sorry, in Times Square. How do you take that and decide I'm going to broadcast the message of Imam Hussein alayhi salam? Well, um, I guess it's inspiration that comes when you, uh, you're Shia, I guess you want everyone to know uh, about Imam Hussein. So I thought to myself, uh, why not put Imam Hussein on there? Because there are different messages that go up from different nonprofit organizations to the Coca-Cola's to the U.S. Opens to Marriott. Mm -hmm. And why not Imam Hussein? So I actually uh, did a test run uh, first with the Eid Gadir. Uh, uh, I don't know if, if many of you guys saw that or not, but I had an Eid Gadir post uh, that went up on the Times Square billboards. And that got a lot of traction and people really liked it. So from there, knowing that I have some sort of, uh, I guess, backing yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> a base, I decided that for the first 10 days of Muharram, it's important that we... Um, that we have Imam Hussein's quotes, a different one every day. Because if we don't tell people about Imam Hussein and his message and what he stood up for, his social justice aspect, his uh, uh, equality as far as race, uh, racism uh, aspect, all the different aspects that he stood up for, then who will? Yeah. And there's actually a hadith, and I don't know it exactly how it goes, but when the Imam comes back, the 12th Imam, yeah. so he is going to say, whatever other things he's going to say, but amongst mm-hmm. that, he's going to say, Hey, uh, I'm here 
uh, to seek revenge for my grandfather Jose. Yeah. So if we don't tell them, if we don't tell the people, who's going to tell them? And if we don't make it mainstream, who's going to make it mainstream? Another person from outside the religion is, going to, is not going to come in and say, hey, let's make this mainstream. We have to do it from within. Yeah. Now, what comes through my head is imagining you sitting between a bunch of um, a Western audience <laughs> pitching this idea. Yeah. How did you pitch it to them? Well, I definitely couldn't take the religious route because they don't allow uh, religious, political, and some other um, categories to go up. Mm-hmm. I had to take the more secular route and explain to them what Imam Hussein stood for and his principles and his, uh, and his morals. So like I mentioned earlier, I started talking to them about the social justice aspect of it, the equality of humanity aspect of it. Uh, especially these days when all the uh, hatred and bigotry is going on. We also Mm -hmm. discussed uh, the camps that are at the borders. So I was able to accumulate all these different things and pitch it to them in that sense Mm -hmm. that, listen, this is the right time for this because people need to know who this man was. Just like Martin Luther King and Gandhi and some of the others that were affected by him. um, We need to tell others so others can learn from this man. And that was basically the, uh, the approach that I took with it. And did you think about the controversies of this um, at all? Like, did you think, okay, I'm, I might get backlash. How did you deal with that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, anything, with anything you do, first people oppose you because they don't understand what you're doing. Yeah. Um, then they'll fight you because they still don't want you to do it. And then eventually what they'll do is they'll recognize what you're doing is needed. So with any idea, whether it's this type of idea or any business idea, that's just the cycle of things. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes normal. So I had some people say, hey, why don't you take that money and uh, give it to the homeless? Or why don't you give the money and uh, feed someone that needs it? There are families within the community that need money. Um, But the answer really to that is, listen, this isn't a zero-sum game where it's it's either this or that we have to take both approaches. Mm-hmm. So organizations like Ranadan, Who's Hussein, and uh, IMI, there's so many different organizations out there, uh, just to, just these three to name a few, that are doing this work already. Mm-hmm. Where, for example, with Who's Hussein, we built a house uh, for a family in need in, in Queens, uh, along with uh, Habitat for Humanity and Grace Church. Uh, we also do blood drives. We, do, we pass out food to the homeless uh, around the city with hunger van and also with the synagogue that's around here. So that type of work is being done, mm-hmm. which is great and amazing. But who's actually out there doing this type of work where we're making Imam Hussein's uh, message mainstream? Mm-hmm. So this is something I felt that needed to be done. And that's why we're doing this. Oh, that's amazing. Um, you can also remember, I think everyone can relate uh, being younger and um, having that passion towards uh, Ashura and Muharram and not knowing how to explain it to everyone around you because it, it's not known. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember those days going to school, even going to work wearing all black um, and, and people not knowing exactly why and I would be too afraid to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ask you, who died in your family? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Are you going to a funeral after this? Yeah. So, so things like that. Are you okay? But, <laughs> yeah, because you're coming in from being at the much less at night. Your eyes are uh, bloodshot because you didn't sleep enough and you're yeah. tired. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, all these different types of questions. But why not answer those questions? And why not take the approach mm -hmm. that this man is someone that stood up for not just Shias and not just Muslims, but all of humanity? Yeah. So taking that approach as opposed to saying, hey, you know, Imam Hussein died in Karbala, Yazid did this, Yazid did that. Mm -hmm. I think we need to connect it to current day and age of what our issues are and how Karbala and why Imam Hussein's uh, morals and ethics and message, how they relate to present day problems. Mm -hmm. I think if we can tie those together, people would understand and see it a lot better. And there's that fear of explaining Ashura and then having people search it and get images that aren't necessarily reflective of what uh, this time is. Um, and that's what's so good about having it go mainstream and having it especially on the internet. How do you avoid that um, issue of getting these unwanted images coming up? So, you know, it's difficult to avoid those because uh, the people that put it up, uh, especially from overseas, that's what they know and that's what they're accustomed to. So over there, that's fine for their culture, for their background, for their environment. But here, it doesn't work out well for us. So to avoid that, we use certain terminology. For example, Hussein inspires. What that's mm -hmm. going to do is if you search for that in uh, Google, that's going to end up taking you to a Who's Hussein site. To the blog or different things where the imagery and the language is different from someone let's say uh, somewhere in uh, asia so mm -hmm. that's how we sort of uh, get around that but if you take a look uh several years ago five or seven years ago and you put in hussein it wouldn't pop up with imam hussein it would pop up with saddam hussein that's true mm -hmm. oh now over the last uh, several years with the work that's been done, the keyword searches actually pull up Hussein Ibn Ali or uh, actually uh, Hussein or other organizations like that where they talk about Imam Hussein but in a different fashion. So as we go along, the different hashtags that we use, the different terminology that we use, uh, people will start seeing that as opposed to things that are uh, negatively mm -hmm. affecting us. And that truly shows you how powerful... Um, the internet and social media and just normal language can be. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's all about what people search for mm -hmm. uh, and how they're accustomed to it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. If, uh, here we go. I, I don't know if you guys can hear that. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More dramatic effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk a bit about the campaign for Hose Hossein. Uh, tell us a bit about the work that you're doing now. Um, the work that we do, uh, as I mentioned, a few different things mm -hmm. that we've done as far as building the house and so on. Yeah. But there's also another campaign that's coming out that we're doing where we're having Who's Hussein being featured in Times Square. Uh, that'll be done on the 8th of Muharram, which is this coming Sunday. Mm -hmm. Not tomorrow, but the uh, next so Sunday. After, as, yeah. Yeah, as well as on Ashura. Okay. So what we would like, what we're actually doing is we're going to have a team of people out there. And if anyone wants to volunteer, feel free to reach out. Um, we will have a team that's going to be out there passing out pamphlets and water and roses and also drawing attention of people to the billboard so they can connect the two 
They mm-hmm. see us as normal human beings in Times Square passing out these things. And they also see the billboard. So we're hoping that that connection there would lead them to go visit the site and learn more about Imam Hussein. How did you gain um, a position in Times Square to advertise? Well, uh, it's funny how that works. Just four months ago, I was working for a different company in a different field. And I'm not sure exactly how these folks here found my resume, but (laughs) they found my resume. They called me. They asked me to come in for an interview. I did. Things worked out well. And here I am working for an ad agency in, uh, in Midtown Manhattan. So being here, I felt that because I have an opportunity to advertise other companies, why not mm-hmm. advertise and let people know about them all sense? So that's kind of how I uh, ended up here. That's and amazing because like- most people will wait until they're more situated in the job. You know, I have a couple of years, I'm valued, now I'm going to do this. Yeah, but what's the difference between a couple of years and a couple of months? That's true. If you're going to do something and you're going to get fired for it in a couple of years, you can do something and get fired for it in two months. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not going to get fired for it, whether you do it in two months or two mm-hmm. years, you're not going to get fired for it. And Alhamdulillah, I haven't been fired for it uh, <laughs> because of the blessings of Imam Hussain and uh, the work that's being done for it. Yeah. So what advice do you give um, kids in high school who are struggling to maybe give this message or who are wearing black and being asked these questions or who, you know, the the things that we went through. Yeah. I would say learn your religion um, from the mosque and the lectures, Mm -hmm. but also relate that to current everyday situations that we have current issues that we have, whether it's racism, whether it's uh, any, any type of bigotry or whatever it may be. Learn that. Learn about the social justice issues. Learn about the uh, uh, other issues as far as uh, mm-hmm. domestic violence and see how you can relate that with Imam Hussein, with the religion. And then talk about it from that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you talk about it from that aspect, more and more people will understand. But if we talk about it just from the religious aspect, uh, as soon as we mention the Prophet Muhammad or as soon as we mention Islam, people are going to be turned off. But, yeah. And that's because of what the media has done. But if we take it from the aspect of, hey, listen, this is how it relates, then people are going to listen. And then we can bring in saying, oh, yeah, this is what Imam Sen said. This is what the prophet mm-hmm. said. This is what Islam is. Did you always see yourself um, spreading this message? Um, I didn't always see myself mm-hmm. doing this. But several years ago, I would say my maybe my mid-20s, I was in a majalis and the the sheikh that was speaking he said something that really clicked with me he said that we come to majlis we go to these lectures every year there's muharram every year we come and we commemorate imam hussein and on that day of ashura imam hussein said is there anyone to help me mm-hmm. who was he really talking to because the boss is gone ali akbar's gone ali asghar's gone who was he talking to? And he paused and I was sitting there listening. I was like, I don't know who he was talking to. And he said, he was talking to us. He was talking to the generations to come. Who was there to help him carry on his mission, carry on his message. And that was very powerful. And when I heard that at that time, I decided that I'm going to dedicate my life towards carrying out the message of Imam Hussain in whichever form that I can. 
whether it's feeding a homeless person or helping someone cross the street uh, or whatever it may be, any community service type of effort, uh, or if it's, you know, putting up his quotes on the Times Square billboards. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it started for me to answer your question. And on that note, what is your final piece of advice for our listeners? I guess the final piece of advice is be yourself, own your uh, religion, and continue to learn, not just religion, but also uh, whatever field you want to go to. Mm-hmm. And even once you are established in a field, continue learning, because if you're not learning, someone else is learning while you're just doing whatever, and that person is going to take over why not you be the one in charge? Why not you be the one leading, uh, you know, being the leader in your industry? Thank you so much, Ali, for all of your amazing insight today. Thank you so much for having me. It was our pleasure. All right. Thank you. Bye. You were just listening to the Mentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the Mentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, why not subscribe to our iTunes podcast? so you never miss another show. If you want to reach out to today's speaker or speakers from any of our previous shows to ask these professionals any questions you may have, visit our online platform at emojioutreach.org slash unleash the future slash groups or visit the Umentor website and hit the link for online platform. Just a message, Emojo will be kicking off the Academy in multiple cities in the fall. If you'd like an Academy near you, please email academy at emojioutreach.org. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another panel of speakers. Thank you for listening to our speaker today on Facebook Live.